about something else today. You ready to get into the Word of God? Well, let me start with this, and I think you'll you'll uh, see where I'm going. You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen, but do you recall the most famous reindeer of all? Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows. All of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer games. You say, why in the world is not even Christmas time and why would... Because Rudolph looked different, he was shunned and banned from the games. With everything that has been going on in the nation this past week, I think it is incumbent upon ministers to go into their pulpits and address the subject of racism. And so that's what we're going to endeavor to do today. So I want you to hear what it is the Spirit of God is saying. You know, I looked up the definition of racism in the dictionary and it says racism is prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. Prejudice, discrimination, antagonism directed against someone in a, of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. Racism and discrimination in varying forms and to various degrees has been a plague on humanity for thousands of years. And there's varying forms of racism and varying forms of discrimination. The primary thing, I guess, that one would think of is skin color. Or place of origin, where you come from. Customs are different. The way people dress in different parts of the world are different. The way people talk. Like even in the United States, if you're from the South, you'll have a certain kind of an accent. If, accent. if you're from the, you know, the Northeast, you'll have a certain sort of an accent and so forth. Different forms of racism and dim, uh, discrimination. Gender. Male or female. Females have been so discriminated against... Uh, I know in this country and throughout the world, even to the present hour in different countries, there's discrimination as it pertains to religion, Jews versus Gentiles or non-Jews. Even in Christianity, the different denominations. I know uh, my wife was raised in the Catholic Church and she was forbidden to play with Protestant children. And then there's socioeconomic or financial discrimination based on how much one, how much 
money a person has or how big their house is or what kind of a car they drive. And in the history of the United States, just about every group has been discriminated against in some way, shape, form or fashion. So the question is, why does racism rear its ugly head again and again? You need to understand this. Don't ever forget this. Racism is spiritual at its root and it is of the devil. The devil and demons stir people up and drive them to racism. Racism in any form is demonic. And you need to realize that the devil magnifies differences. See, we must understand that there is only one race. It's the human race. And all human beings are equally created in the image and likeness of Almighty God. In Acts 17.26, in Acts 17.26, the Bible says, And he, that is God, has made from one blood, notice, from one blood, every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. And we could read the rest of it, but for the sake of this message, God has made from how many bloods? From one blood, every nation of men and women, males and females, to dwell on all the face of the earth. And remember this, and this statement is not original with me, but it it bears repetition. No matter what the color of our skin, we all bleed red. Now, though there is only one race, the human race, there are different ethnic groups. An ethnic group is just a community or population made up of people who share a common cultural background or descent. You know, all human beings have the same physical characteristics with variations, of course. I mean, males and females, if you've looked at males and females, a male and female anatomy, anatomy, very similar, but there's some differences, right? And so there's different ethnic groups based on like what I said before, skin color or place of origin or, you know, these sorts of things. And when there are differences... That is where the devil comes in and causes problems because we said racism at its root is demonic. And when, though there's only one human race, but there's different ethnic groups and in those ethnic groups there are differences and the devil magnifies differences. And so when there's differences, he comes in and stirs people up. And then don't ever forget this. What caused Lucifer, who became Satan, what caused him to fall? Pride. And so... When there are differences among people of the human race, the devil will then come in. He'll magnify those differences and then he'll bring pride in and get people to thinking that their ethnic group is superior to others. And thus you have racism and then you have all kinds of problems. God 
is opposed to racism. Don't ever forget that. Now you need to realize when you're dealing with God, God does not look at the outward. In other words, God doesn't look at skin color, but rather he looks at the heart. And all you have to do is go to 1 Samuel 16 verse 7. 1 Samuel 16 verse 7, when God told the prophet Samuel to go over to Jesse's house to anoint the next king of Israel. And he went over there and of course he was ultimately going to uh, uh, anoint David. But before David came in, he was out and back or whatever, wherever he was. He wasn't in the house and Eliab, Abinab, Shammah, his brothers came up in front of Samuel. And Samuel thought, well surely one of these must be the Lord's anointed. But notice here in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. These were his brothers, David's brothers. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You need to realize... That you see, God looks at the heart. God does not look at skin color. He looks at the heart. And if you think of Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah standing there physically, they were, you know, tall and, you know, looked like they would be the next king to Samuel. But you realize later on down the road, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah were cowards, weren't they? When it came to facing the giant, is that right? See, so God, he, God can see things that we don't see. Just, just going by outward appearance. What's the old saying? You never read a book by its what? Its cover. Right? But then David came in, and of course, he was the anointed one, but the point, the, for, to, to be the next king. But the point is that God does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, if you would turn to 1 Kings, the 11th chapter, uh, with Solomon. You ever hear of King Solomon? And, of course, if you look at 1 Kings 11, verse 1, notice this, talking about skin color and versus condition of the heart. These verses here bring something out that we need to realize but King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonites, Hittites, from the nations, now listen to this, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. So right away we start thinking about, well, skin color. No, didn't have a thing in the world to do with skin color. Notice here what the Lord said. Surely they will what? Turn away your hearts after their gods. It wasn't a skin issue. It was a heart issue. That's why God didn't want his people intermarrying with these folks. Didn't have a thing in the world to do with skin color. It had to do with heart condition. And surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. And if you study it out, it almost cost him his salvation. Because he clung to these foreign women in love, 
had nothing to do with their skin color, had to do with their heart condition. And because he clung to them in love, Solomon, the wisest man other than the Lord Jesus Christ ever lived, that wise man became an idolater and backslid in a bad way. Had nothing to do with these women's skin color. It had to do with their heart condition. And because their heart condition wasn't after the Lord, they pulled Solomon's heart away from the Lord to the point that he was setting up idols and all. he was worshiping false gods and all. King Solomon, and it almost cost him his salvation, but I think it's clear that he repented in the end. As he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, and you can read that and see that in the end he repented, but he was just a skeleton of what he once was. Had nothing to do with the skin color, it had to do with heart condition. If you go to Numbers, the 12th chapter, speaking a little more about skin color and heart condition and so forth, if you go to Numbers, the 12th chapter, how many remembers Moses? Do you remember Moses? And, of course, he had a wife, and uh, her name was Zephorah. And apparently, from my study of it, there's some dispute on it, but from my study of it, I think it's clear, she had apparently at some point died, and Moses remarried. And Moses, if you look here in Numbers 12, verse 1, then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. And you study into the Ethiopian, you study into that, and you find out that these folk from this area were, were known for their black skin. And so Moses married a black lady. And Miriam and Aaron, Moses's brother and sister, didn't like it. And they raised a stink about it. Do you know what I mean when I say raised a stink? They objected. And if you read the story, you'll see that Miriam, God judged her and dealt with her, and she was smitten with leprosy because she opposed Moses' marriage. Now, Aaron, nothing happened to him right then, but God dealt with him later on on Mount Hor, H-O-R, on Mount Hor, when he was taken up there and for various reasons. But he was, not just this specifically, but there was other things like, uh, didn't Aaron allow him to make the golden calf? And then when Moses questioned him, he said, well, we just put all these earrings and all this gold into the fire and out came the calf. Well, you know that wasn't true. There's a whole lot of things going on. Mainly it was because they smote that rock the second time that he couldn't, that Aaron couldn't go in. See, Aaron had the protection of the priest. There was an anointing on him. But, but later on Mount Hor, they, uh, Moses took him up there at the direction of God, stripped him of that, and he fell dead before all the children of Israel. So he was dealt with later, but Miriam was dealt with right there then, and you could read it, leprosy came on her. Why? Because she spoke against Moses, and primarily because she opposed his marriage, and it's pretty clear he married outside of his race, if you will. He married a black lady, and they didn't like it, and they pitched a stink. God had no problem with Moses marrying this lady. 
It wasn't a skin issue. It was a heart issue. And apparently her heart was fine. Otherwise, the Lord would have objected because he had a real close relationship with Moses, didn't he? God didn't object to her skin color. Her heart was was fine. But Miriam and Aaron objected and Miriam was smote with leprosy for seven days. It's interesting and we can learn a lesson from Moses. Miriam was judged because of her racism. Put outside the camp for seven days while she was out there. Guess how Moses responded. He didn't respond in hate or See what God did to you? Ha, ha, ha. He didn't respond that way. What did, how did Moses respond to racism? The Bible says he prayed to God. He said, heal her, Lord. Oh, now I beseech thee. It's a great lesson for all of us. When we're discriminated against in some way, what did Jesus say? For those that persecute us, what are we supposed to do? Pray for them. And Moses prayed for her. Excuse me. Now, when you think about racism and discrimination, you have to think about the Jews and the Gentiles. Before I go on, are you okay with what we've said about skin color and heart condition? Do you see that? Now, Jews versus Gentiles, let's talk a little, about, little bit about this, because it's a big deal in the Bible The Jews are God's chosen people and they were to be a nation of priests unto God to bless the Gentiles. The reason the Jews were chosen by God ultimately was to be a blessing to the Gentiles. The Jews were to be a priest, a nation of priests unto God to bless the Gentiles. Gentiles are non-Jews, okay? The Jews, however, became prideful and refused to associate with the Gentiles, even getting to the point where the Jews called them dogs. Isn't that sad? And the Jews, and they are God's chosen people. There's no question about that. But we all have to be watchful of pride, don't we? The Jews especially refused to associate with the Samaritans. And the reason was, is the Samaritans were half-breed Jews. And so because of their race, the pure-blooded Jews, if you will, refused. I mean, they would have nothing to do with the Samaritans. They would, would, they would even add a couple of days to their journey, and they'd go around the land of Samaria because they didn't want to even get the dust of the Samaritans on their feet. Interesting, isn't it? Yet when Jesus came to that well there, and I believe in John the fourth chapter, you can read it sometime, Jesus ministered to the Samaritan woman at the well. And the, the, the disciples had gone into the town there or wherever to get some food. When they came back, they were astonished that Jesus was there speaking to this woman. See discrimination there. You realize women were like second class citizens back there then. Is that right? And she was a Samaritan and the disciples couldn't believe Jesus was talking to her. Yet he ministered salvation to her. And then he stayed an extra two days and ministered to the people of Samaria. And Jesus is God. He's our example. He had no problem with the Samaritans, did he? 
You know, think of this. After the day of Pentecost, remember Jesus was raised from the dead and then 50 days later approximately, there, there's day of Pentecost and so forth and the baptism of the Holy Spirit came and all. And Jesus commanded them prior, 50 days prior, I suppose it was, he commanded them to what? Uh, after his resurrection, he commanded them what? To go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody. Is that right? Real loud say everybody. To everybody. Yet after the day of Pentecost, it took 10 years. Listen to this. It took, now, Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody. Yet it took 10, approximately 10 years and a supernatural vision that God had to give Peter on that housetop to get the gospel to the Gentiles in Acts, the 10th chapter. Think about that. The Jews had become so racist. They thought the gospel was just for them. Ten years. And notice in Acts 10 verse 28, when Peter, it took a vision. And, and think of it, does anybody remember how many times he had that vision? Three, it took three times on that housetop, three times. He had that vision about those unclean animals, you know. And he said, the Lord, Lord said, rise, kill, and eat. And he said, I've never eaten anything unclean, so forth. He said, rise, kill, and eat, and so forth. You know, what, I, what, what I've cleansed. You know, uh, it, 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 you know it's fine and so forth. You can read you can read it in Acts ten. But Peter had that vision. It took three. It took ten years and three visions. Same thing, repetition. To get him to see that it was okay to go over to the Gentiles. Isn't that something? Now, if Peter has a problem with racism, I think you and I need to be watchful of it too. You've got to watch this, folks. Racism can slip into all of us and affect all of us. We need to ever be watchful. Notice in Acts 10.28, then when Peter finally got over there, he said to Cornelius, the Gentile household, you know, he said, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. Now, you go back and study the Old Testament, you'll see God... Never told them that. At least not to that degree. What God had an issue with was them letting the hearts of the Gentiles. Remember we talked about heart condition affect. It wasn't that they couldn't associate with. But God put some boundaries up to protect the hearts of the Jewish people. We've got to be watchful that, because if you study into it, you'll see that the traditions of men had gotten in and said, well, we just aren't going to have anything to do with the Gentiles. And you see Peter saying that right here. He said, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go to one of another nation. Now, if it was unlawful, why would God direct him to go over there? Can you answer that? Why would God direct him to go over there? There, if you go and look at the law in the Old Testament and you misinterpret some things and, 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 and let, let, let some racism get in there, then you'll, you'll wind up saying, well, we shouldn't have anything to do with the Gentiles at all. That's not what the law was saying. And we know that because if it were against the law, God would have never told Peter to go over there. You okay? Now remember, who, who would, who, Peter, Peter had an issue here with, with, with some racism. Peter. 
Remember that we're going to talk about a little more here in a moment. He said, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Can you say amen? And then in verse 34, you know, Peter preaches the gospel to him. And in verse 34, he opens his mouth and he says, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Can you say amen to that? God is no respecter of persons. And do you know that after Peter went over to the Gentiles, did you know that the church called him on the carpet over that? You know what I mean when I say called on the carpet? He got called to the principal's office, so to speak. He was called on the carpet for associating with the Gentiles. And of course, he told the church, the leaders of the church, how he'd had that vision. And then, of course, they rejoiced. Thank God for that. But then about eight, now listen, about eight to ten years after this, Peter had that vision. We just talked about it. He went to the Gentiles, called on the carpet, all of that. About eight to ten years later, look at Galatians 2 verse 11. Look at Galatians 2 verse 11. I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation just because it brings it out better. You can, it'll be on the screen if you don't have, have that version. Uh, Look at Galatians 2.11. But when Peter came to Antioch, the Apostle Paul says, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. So Paul is opposing Peter to his face because Peter did something very wrong. I wonder what he did. Let's read verse 12. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile Christians. Who were not circumcised, but afterward when some friends, now watch your friends, be sure you keep good company. When some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish Christians followed Peter's what? Peter, yeah, Peter, followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas, who was Paul's traveling companion on his missionary journeys, even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. We've got to watch racism. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, the gospel's for everybody. I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are Jews by birth, not quote-unquote sinners like the Gentiles, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law, and we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. But the point of this is simply this. Do you see that... Let's go through it again. God told Peter and the others, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody. Is that right? Took ten years and a vision, repeated three times to get Peter to the Gentiles. He goes over there and he says, well, you know, it's not lawful for me to even be here, which wasn't even really right. Because God sent him there. 
But then he preaches the gospel to the Gentiles. He gets called on the carpet by the church. And, and, and they get past that. And then eight to ten years later, has he still got some racism in him? Yes or no? Did we just read it? I'm not putting Peter down. He's a great apostle. I'm just saying that if he can be affected by it, we could be affected by it. How many has ever heard of John, the apostle of love? Before he was the apostle of love, do you know he wanted to, I'm talking about John now, he, he wanted to call fire down on people at one point, didn't he? And many other things. There was one point where John saw someone casting out demons in the name of the Lord Jesus. And he came to Jesus and he said, we forbid that person from doing that. And one Bible version says it this way. We forbid him because he was not of our group. And Jesus rebuked him. Remember that? Now, if John could be discriminatory. He was discriminating. If John could do that, do you and I need to be watchful? Do you know how John got over his racism? Do you know how he got over his, well, we'll say, I should have said discrimination. Do you know he, because he was being discriminatory. you know how he got over his discrimination? you know how he got over it? I'll tell you how. At the Last Supper, there was somebody who was right next to Jesus and had their their ear and their head right next to Jesus's heart. And John heard the heartbeat of Jesus and it changed him, didn't it? From being discriminatory to wanting to call down fire and he became the apostle of love. How did he do that by staying real close to the heartbeat of Jesus? This is an ugly thing we talk about here this morning. Racism and discrimination. It's an ugly thing, but it needs to be talked about. And that's why I'm doing it. I'm doing this at the direction of the Holy Spirit. It's very timely for what's going on in our country. As I've said. If Peter, and I'm not running down Peter and John. My goodness, God used them to write the new, lots of the New Testament. Wonderful apostles. What I'm saying, though, is that if Peter can have issues with racism and if John can have issues with discrimination, how much more do we need to be careful and watchful? Let me read from my notes. We must ever be watchful and keep our hearts weeded of racism and discrimination. I'll say it again. We must ever be watchful and keep our hearts weeded of racism and discrimination. When entering a room, listen to this, when entering a room where there is other people in the room, we must be watchful not to just look for ourselves. What I mean is that when we go in a room where there's other people is not to just want to associate with others who are just like us. Did you get what I just said? Powerful statements there. Did you know 
one of the most segregated times in the United States of America is on Sunday mornings during church. Even to the present hour, with some exceptions, of course, but by and large, one of the most segregated times in the United States, even in 2017, is on Sunday mornings. And then let me, of course, say that these are some powerful things I'm saying here. You need to chew on them for a little bit. Of course, we must never forget. Listen to this. Of course, we must never forget what racism can result in, as with the evil Nazis who murdered six million Jews in the Holocaust. We must never forget what racism can result in, as with the evil Nazis who murdered six million Jews in the Holocaust. And then I want to begin to close my message with something that, that I think, since we're on the topic, we, we might as well just finish it off here, because I think this would be good, because a lot of people probably don't realize this as they should. But you need to realize God is opposed to slavery. As we've known it in the 1800s and pre-Civil War. Did you know God is opposed to that? But did you know that there are and have been white supremacists, racists, who took the Bible but didn't really understand what it said and took it and twisted it and used the Bible... To promote slavery as we knew it and know it in the 1800s prior to the Civil War. But do you know God is opposed to that? If you study the Bible out and you study it right, God is opposed to that. And if I could just take a few moments and show you that, would that be okay? Just let me take a few moments. First of all, if you look at the people of God in Egypt when they were in slavery and God then rose up Moses to bring them out, that right there should show you that God is against slavery where people are enslaved, the Jews were enslaved and they were in hard labor and bondage and God raised up Moses and delivered them. Can you see God is against slavery? But actually, and, 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 and that's, that's a great example, but you know what? There's, there's two passages that if we, if you go to, the slavery prior to the Civil War, there's, there's, any one of these would have disarmed that completely if anybody would have taken the time to read the Bible. Now, I'm going to read Exodus 21.16. Now, I didn't put that in the notes back there for the sound projector, and that's fine. But you can look it up in your own Bible. Exodus 21.16. I'm going to read it in the English Standard Version. We, we don't have that on our computer. So... Uh, so Exodus 21:16 you can look it up but I'm going to read it in the English Standard Version listen to this This one scripture from the Bible would have disarmed and put to an end and it would never even got started the slavery that we saw leading up to the Civil War and prior to that in the 1800s and even prior And here's what it, the Bible says Whoever steals a man or a woman, whoever steals a man and sells him, 
And anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Can anybody say amen? amen? That would have stopped it all right there. Just that one verse. Whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him, the person that stole him and the person that bought him, both of them shall be put to death. That's how God feels about slavery. Do you hear that? Now, if you go to 1 Timothy, that's the Old Testament. Let's go to the New Testament. 1 Timothy 1.9. I'll read this in New King James Version. It'll be on the screen. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and the insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers, murderers of mothers, for manslayers. I don't want to be in that group, do you? For, verse 10, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers. Kidnappers. It's interesting, the English Standard Version doesn't use kidnappers. It uses the word enslavers. And then it expounds on that and it says, those who take someone captive in order to sell him into slavery. See, God condemns it. He condemns slavery. He condemns those who take someone captive in order to sell them into slavery. And then the list goes on. Liars, perjurers, and if there's any other thing that's contrary to sound doctrine. How many of you know slavery is contrary to sound doctrine? Those two verses, one from the Old Testament, one from the New you see God's position on slavery. He condemns it. You know, that. listen to this. There is a tendency to look at slavery as something of the past. But did you know it's estimated that there are today over 27 million people in the world, 27 million people in the world who are subject to some form of slavery? One of which is sex trafficking. In fact, our ladies did a Heart's Desire project recently where they helped the girls who are trapped in, and, and the boys too, trapped in sex trafficking. Now while we're on it, let me just say a couple other things. Sometimes, and you may not be aware of this, but sometimes the curse that Noah pronounced on Canaan is used to propagate slavery. This is unfortunate because that's not the case. Now, I was going to take about 20 minutes and go through all of that, and I'm just not going to take the time. But that curse that Noah pronounced on Canaan is used to propagate slavery, but it's unfortunate that's not the case at all. And if anyone wants to talk about that, I'll be glad to talk to you about that sometime. Just catch me privately. God condemns slavery, but do you know what? God condones servanthood. Did you get what I just said? He condemns slavery. And when, you see, when I think of slavery, I don't know if I'm like you, but I go back to the pre-Civil War days. God condemns that. 
But he condones servanthood. And you see it throughout the Bible. There's a difference. In the Bible, servanthood was based not on race, but on economic standing. And sometimes you ought to go, sometimes you ought to read Deuteronomy, the 15th chapter. You ought to read that. But you'll see how God deals with servants. First of all, when someone became a servant of someone else, you know, when I say a superior, I don't mean that they were better. But has anybody got a boss? He would be or she would be considered your what? Your superior, right? But God even weighed in on that and he said to the to the people who we would think as the superiors on servanthood he said treat your servants like you would your brother you can read and see it in the new testament and the old that god doesn't want anybody under bondage and as the bible's clear if you're the boss you ought to treat those who work for you like you treat jesus and if you've got a boss, you ought to treat that boss like they're Jesus. Do you know love would do away with racism and discrimination, wouldn't it? The God kind of love. But a period, did you know that a period of servanthood, a period of servanthood in the Bible was only supposed to be for six years? And then in the seventh year, the servant was to be set free and not empty-handed, set free to be a better, maybe say it a better, released. Not empty-handed, but the, the, they were supposed to be liberally supplied for by their boss, if you will. And the servant, listen to this, the servant was to be treated so well by the boss that they would want to remain with their superior, their boss, did you get that? In other words, the boss was supposed to treat everybody so good that when their time was up, that they would say, I don't want to leave. You've been so good to me and my wife and my children. We're going to just stay. And then what they would do is they would become a bond servant. Say bond servant. They become a bondservant. In other words, they were set free, but now we're going to stay of our own free will. And then servants had the right and the protection under the law. God's law protected them. And it was possible for servants to attain positions of power and honor. See, God doesn't condone bondage or slavery at all. Say amen. But he's big on servanthood. Jesus in his parables talked about servants, didn't he? He said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you must become what? Servant of all. Is that right? And I need to say this. In the Bible, servanthood, we said, was based on economics, not so much on race at all. But having said that, it should be noted that one of the major areas of discrimination that we see, and even in the land in which we live, has to do with finances. Did you know that, if you haven't noticed, but if people have a lot of money in the United States, they're thought of, what, the upper class and the middle class and the... That's a shame, isn't it? 
And you've got to be watchful because here, let, let's let God weigh in on it. We could look up the verses, but you ought to read James, the second chapter sometime, and I'll just paraphrase. And here's how God feels about that. He says, if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay, you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place and say to the poor man, you stand over there and in the corner, so to speak, or you sit here under my, my footstool, then God says, if you do that, you show partiality and you commit sin. I think we ought to treat everybody equal, don't you? We shouldn't love people just because they got a lot of money. Is that right? I know when I taught school... And I've told you this before, but in case you're visiting, I'll say it again. I used to be a school teacher. When I taught school, I found out who the janitors were, and I called them sir and ma'am. And I treated them better than I treated the superintendent. And I treated the superintendent and principal real well, but I treated the janitors better. You know, God honored that. Plus, I had the cleanest rooms. Let me just close here. I don't want to go on too much longer. But if you've ever read the New Testament, you've heard of Philemon. Has anybody ever heard of Philemon? And he had, now the, the translations, a lot of them will say slave. And then right away, slave. What happens when you hear slave? My mind goes back to the pre-Civil War. So you've got to watch that. Because then you'll think God condones that kind of slavery and he doesn't. But Philemon... And Onesimus, Onesimus, I like to say it this way. He wasn't his slave. I like to say that he was his servant. That carries a better connotation, doesn't it? Philemon was a wealthy Christian in Colossae who hosted a house church. And he became a Christian under the Apostle Paul's ministry. The reason I'm reading this is because a lot of times people say, well, look at Philemon and Onesimus. And Philemon, you know, he had to slave Onesimus. Well, the, the, the translations use the word slave, a lot of them, but, but it better be, it'd be, be better translated servant in our society. Because have I shown you that God does not condone slavery? Have I shown you that? So Philemon was a wealthy Christian of Colossae. He hosted a house church and became a Christian under the the Apostle Paul's ministry. Onesimus was one of his servants who apparently stole from Philemon. And Onesimus fled to Rome where he wound up in prison and he ran into the Apostle Paul. And guess what? You run into the Apostle Paul, you're going to hear the gospel. And Onesimus got saved. Paul convinced Onesimus to return to his, and the versions translate it master, but again, when I see when I hear word master, slave, I, where do I go, where does my mind go to the pre-civil war? And that's not what this is talking about. Say amen. This needs to be said because a lot of people will take this and say, oh, well, see, God's into slavery. No, he's not into slavery. So Onesimus gets saved. And Paul convinces him to return to Philemon, his, his, his boss, if you will. Is that okay? And, and Paul also sent a letter, which we know as the epistle to Philemon in the New Testament. He sent that with Onesimus. Go back to your boss. Go back to Philemon. And in that letter, Paul encouraged Philemon to treat 
Onesimus, the servant, treat him as a brother rather than as a servant. See God's heart? And Paul implied that freeing Onesimus was Philemon's Christian duty. But he stopped short of commanding Philemon to do so. God is opposed to racism. God is opposed to discrimination. God is opposed to slavery as we saw it pre-Civil War. But he is into servanthood. And he's into the boss treating the employee with respect. And he's into the employee treating the boss with respect. Did you get that? On both sides. So let me close by saying this. And don't ever forget this. The devil had enslaved all of us in sin. But thanks be to God. Jesus has set us free. Can you say amen? Because we've all been we've all been enslaved. The devil enslaved us all in the Garden of Eden when Adam committed high treason. We've all been enslaved and the devil is a hard taskmaster. You need to realize the slavery that we saw pre-Civil War, that is of the devil. And that's how the devil operates. And he's an enslaver and he'll put you in hard bondage and he'll cause you to grind at the mill. Did you hear that? But thanks be to God, Jesus came and set us free. Praise God. And Jesus set me free. And you know what? He's been so good to me. I'm ready to be his bondservant. What was a bondservant again? A bondservant was somebody that got set free and said, you know what? You've been so good to me. I'm just going to stick with you and stay with you. Well, I tell you what. The devil enslaved me. Jesus been good to me. He set me free. But I tell you what. I want to just stick with Jesus and be his bondservant. Can you say amen? And you see, Peter, he said, I'm a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. James and Jude, who were half-brothers of Jesus, said, I'm a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that that awesome? And don't ever forget this. When we get to heaven, you walk in there, don't just think we're going to see all white people there. And don't be shocked when you see Jesus and he's not white. Because he was a Jew. Right? Olive skinned. Is that right? Probably doesn't have blue eyes either like you see in a lot of pictures. Right? It's interesting if you ever notice that a lot of different cultures will paint pictures of Jesus. And I don't think we ought to ever try to. How can you capture him on canvas? But they'll paint him and... It's just interesting, I mean, if you go into a black church, and I love preaching in a black church. I just love the black people. I do, I love black people. Praise God. My, my son is married to a black girl, Renata. She comes here once in a while. I just love her to pieces. And I have two grandchildren that are half black and half white. And I'm just so proud of them. I don't look at skin color. Because I don't even pay any attention to it. But if you look like, if you go into black church, a lot of times you see Jesus, they'll be black. You go into white church, Jesus will be white. But he's neither one. He's a Jew. Is that right? 
And so when you get to heaven, don't think there's just going to be all white people. Don't go in there and just start looking for people like yourself. There'll be white people there, black people there, red, yellow, black and white, you know. has nothing to do with skin color. It has to do, did you receive Jesus as your Savior? And we know that because the Bible says, it says out of every kindred tongue, out of every kindred tongue, tribe, people and nation. Is that right? It's going to be in heaven. Not based on skin color, not based on how much money you've got, not based on what part of the country you're from. It's based on what you did with Jesus Christ. Is that right? And look at this, Galatians 3.28. It'll be on the screen. I need to close with this. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. Some versions say bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a good scripture to close with? And the Bible says, overcome. Would you agree with me that racism, discrimination, and slavery is evil? Have I shown you that today? And we must overcome evil, the Bible says, with good. And I liked yesterday, I don't know if you followed it on the news, but they had that Boston rally yesterday. And there were so many people there representing good that the white supremacist racist group that was there was drowned out by all the people that were there representing good. What am I saying? We overcome evil with what? And let's just have so much good going on that the evil is drowned out. What do you say? Did you get anything out of this today? You okay? Just have so much good that it drowns out the evil. Have so much love that it drowns out the evil. Did I, did I do okay with this? Okay. Well, stand with me if you would. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. First, I want to say this. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Savior, you need to do that before you leave. All you have to do is when we dismiss in just minutes from now, all you got to do is walk up here to the front and say to one of these nice people, Hey, I want to know Jesus. They'll introduce you to him. He'll come into your heart in a moment's time. You'll miss hell, make heaven, and he'll make your life worth living. So if you need to do that, you do that when we dismiss. But for the... For all of us, I want you to think about this. And here's how we need to close today. Just right there between you and the Lord. I want you to examine your heart and I'll examine mine. Because you see, if it can happen to Peter and it can happen to John, it could happen to you and me, as I said, that racist things can get in there. We can start thinking we're a little bit better than this group or a little bit better than that group or we're a little superior than these people. We're just a little better. That can get in there. And that's, that, that, that's, that's evil. That's not right. The devil, listen, you need to realize none of us are exempt from the devil shooting things into our mind. We just don't need to act on them. 
We need to recognize any evil things from the devil for what they are. I know it's happened to me over the years. Well, I'm well, I'm maybe just a little bit better. Or I'm just a little this. Or I'm the, no, 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 no. Cast that thought down. Don't let any racism into your hearts. Into your thoughts. But let's treat everybody with love and respect and honor. Did you hear me? Father, I pray for all of us that you would help each and every one of us to recognize when a racist thought, a thought of discrimination comes across our minds that we recognize it for what it is. Help us, Lord, to see it and to cast it down. Help us to walk in love. Help us to honor people. And love all people, no matter what they look like, no matter what they sound like, no matter where they're from. No matter what quote-unquote religion they come from, we love them. We tell them the truth of the gospel of Jesus. But we show love and respect to them. Help us to be what you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people that agreed with that real loud 